Isn't God good to us? Yes, He is. We're delighted to see you in the house of the Lord today. It's good to be back home. Amen? It's always good to get away, but it's good to be home. In the last nine days, I've preached two wedding rehearsals, two weddings, a conference, attended a conference, and traveled, I don't remember how many hundreds of miles. So anyway, God has been truly good to us. And today I want to talk with you, if the Lord would help me, about when offenses come. First, let me say a big thank you to Brother Ken for last week, and I've heard great reports about that, time margins. And so uh, I hope you kept up with that margin series and that you're going to enjoy that. I guess I could be offended now at my iPad because just as I walked in the door a moment ago, it decided to auto-update itself. And so I've got a good picture of a nice apple right there, but thank God for an iPhone. Somebody somebody give the Lord praise, amen? So I'm not going to be offended at my iPad as long as my iPhone stays right there, but if it quits, then I'm going to give you what I got, amen? Are y'all with me? So anyway, it's a privilege to be back here at home. There's no church in the land. There's a lot of great churches, so don't go to nobody give no bad offense. (laughs) But ain't no place like home. Amen? So I want to talk with you on a very touchy subject. When offenses come, and I just want you to look at your neighbor real quick and say, come they will. (laughs) Offenses are going to come. There is no doubt about it. I mean, it is just a fact of life. In fact, I got a cover of a book I'd like to show you if we've got that. That is John Bevere's book. I read this book nearly 20 years ago. It literally changed my life, and it will change your life as well. There's no doubt in my mind it's called The Bait of Satan. The Bait of Satan is simply this. The bait is offense. It is a trap because every last one of us in this room has been offended or will be. So that's what I want you to know beyond anything else. If you don't get anything else, I want you to understand that offenses are going to happen. You know, it's kind of like hitting a pothole in the road. As much as I try to avoid them, you know, and as much as you try to avoid them because you don't want to knock your car out of line and you don't want to do undue type maintenance and all that, it's inevitable. At some point, you're going to hit a pothole and you're going to say, man, all the taxes I pay and they can't keep the roads right. Are you with me? And um, offenses are going to happen. You just got to know that if they haven't come yet, They're on the way. So you got to understand that. The question is this. How are you going to deal with it when it gets there? Are you going to be okay with it? Are you going to understand that God uses offenses that come against His people many times to weed out who should be doing what in the kingdom of God? That He looks at you to see how you're going to handle things under pressure? Are you with me? The Bible says that Solomon tells us that if our strength fail us in adversity, our strength is small. So it, you know, it's an unfortunate fact, but offenses are going to come. It doesn't matter what you do. They are there. So um, James chapter 3 says it like this, for in many things we offend all. 
If any man offend not in the word, the same as a perfect man. And all the ladies said, there's not one. And, but, but if you could do that, he said, if you could not offend anybody in anything to do with words. How many of you know words hurt? Amen. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, they lied. They never lived in the world that we've lived in. Amen. He said, but if this person is able not to offend in any word, that person is perfect. And they're also able to, to, to tame or bridle the whole body. The Bible tells us about this unruly member we got called a tongue. Amen. He said, um, we, we have this unruly member, and it's a small member of the body, but he said it's like a rudder on a ship that it turns the entire ship. I don't care how, you know, you know, them submarines are nearly 600 feet long, but that rudder is going to turn the whole thing. And he says, our little member, this tongue, will turn the whole thing, and we have the potential and the great capacity to build somebody up or tear them down. Offenses are going to happen. And guess what? You and I are both guilty. And you know what? We're guilty and sometimes we did not intend it to be the way it is or the way it is perceived. But let me say this. Your perception is your reality whether that person meant to hurt you or not. So we have to go a long way to help each other. You see, uh, it is that person that you've invested in deeply. It is that person that you've invested in emotionally, that person that you've invested in spiritually, and sometimes even financially, that has the ability to offend you most. Yesterday, I was on my way to a wedding. I was to preach it. Adam was to play and sing. And uh, we missed our turn, and so Adam checked his mirror real quick, put the blinker on, and got over. And as he was turning, somebody on a Harley-Davidson, I want to think he was waving at me. But it was minus a couple of these. I mean, he showed us about a fourth of his hand. And I looked at Adam and I said, you know what? I'm not offended. Adam said, I ain't offended. I don't even care. You know why? I ain't invested nothing in that Harley Davidson rider. I hadn't spent no time with him. I, I ain't even prayed for him. I don't know him uh, emotionally, physically, or however. I don't know him. So it is the people that you are closest to. It is the ones that is in your circle. It is the ones that are knit with you that have the potential and the most ability to hurt you. Now, if he had been someone real close to me, like Judas was to Jesus, Jesus says, it was not an enemy that betrayed me. It was not somebody else, he said, but it was a man, mine own equal, mine own familiar friend, one that I walked to the house of God with and had fellowship with. That's why it hurt me the most. It is the people that are close to you, the ones that's supposed to be better than that, the ones that's supposed to love you, the ones that's supposed to have your back. I don't care about the guy that flipped me off. Actually, it was Adam. It wasn't me. I wasn't driving. But I can pretty much assure you Adam don't care either. Nor do you when it's somebody that it really don't matter. But if I drove by you and flipped you off, you might have a problem. You would say, after all the times I've listened to him, the bad sermons I've had to endure, and how he told me how to live, and now look what he's doing. Are you with me? Say amen. So let me say this. I want you to know that offense is going to come so that 
It don't catch you unaware. So you, you ever seen somebody just blindsided by something? I mean, wham! Happened to me sometimes when I come to the office. Tanya will say, uh, so-and-so's here to see you. Okay, uh, send them on back, and boom! Whole world blow up. Are you with me? Sometimes things I had no clue about. Man, I'm thinking everything's Cadillacking and crackalacking and whatever. And boom, the whole world. And then there goes your day. That's why I don't talk to people before I preach. Are y'all with me? Because people don't care when they unload. They just ready to unload. And I just don't need it before I got to preach. Amen. But then you might go to your mailbox and all of a sudden pull open one of them envelopes and say, Oh, my Lord. And you are offended. Amen. You might read a letter or maybe it's an email or a tweet. Hello? Or an Instagram or whatever it may be. But you look at it and you say, how dare he or she? Let me say this. And I want to paraphrase the Lord. He said, this is Jesus. And he's talking about his crucifixion. And he's talking about what he endured. You know the beating and all that. Let me just go on. He said, in my greatest hour, and I'm paraphrasing what he would have said. My closest friends deserted me. Judas betrayed me. Peter denied me. The rest of them fled for their lives. And only John followed me at a great distance. I cared for them for three years. I fed them. I taught them. I showed them. Yet when I was dying for the sins of the world, they abandoned me. I released all of them and I didn't hold it against them. In fact, I even told them, all of you tonight shall be offended of me because as it is written, the shepherd will be smitten and the sheep will be scattered. And Peter said, Lord, though I should die with thee, I'll never be offended of thee in any wise. And just hours later to a little Jewish damsel, he said, I don't know him. For the third time, cursing and swearing to back up the statement that he said, I don't know him. He, by cursing and swearing, he kind of identifies with the rough and rowdy crowd and says, I really don't know him. And the rooster crowed. And he was reminded of what Jesus said at the table at the Last Supper. And he turned and he looked and Jesus looked from where he was at. Jesus was in front of uh, uh, Herod and he turned and he looked eyeball to eyeball with him. This last time Peter saw him, he was failing the Lord. But Jesus said, in that time, I forgave them all. I released all of them. They all deserted me. Even the Roman guard that crucified me. I, he, he said, they didn't ask for my forgiveness. But I cried, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I had sown everything in love. I did everything for them and they turned and walked away. I didn't hold it against them. See, it's important for you to know that offenses are coming so that you don't get caught off guard. I'm trying to tell you, some of you are going to go to work tomorrow. Bam! Note on your desk, it says, please see the supervisor at 11 o'clock. <laughs> I hope I'm not prophetic, but I might be. And it might not be the commendation that you're thinking. It might not be the, the uh, you know, uh, congratulations or the promotion that you're thinking. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to, to recognize because I'm, I'm telling Jesus said it's coming. And, and matter of fact, let me show you. Uh, Luke 17:1. let me show you this. Luke 17, 1, Jesus warns about offense. And here's what he said. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Did y'all hear that? So look at me. Get it out of your mind. You're going to get offended. 
You ain't no better than your Lord. And he said, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through the, uh, whom they do come. He says, uh, and it would be better if a millstone were hung about his neck and that he were thrown into the sea uh, rather than offend one of these little ones. Uh, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Now, that's a word that's taboo nowadays. Nobody like that because, man, you rebuke somebody, they're going to get offended. I don't care if you are the pastor. I don't care if you are the bishop, the overseer, or whatever. It don't make no difference. They're going to get offended. Take heed. That don't negate the fact that you still have to do it. You know, I had to spank Adam when he was a kid or Andrew or Carly, whoever it was. They didn't like it, and it sort of offended them at the time. And I tried to tell them it hurt me more than them, the same thing my daddy told me, and I didn't believe it, and they didn't believe it until they had to do it. He says, but if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Wow. Now, I, I, I got to show you all something here because this right here blew me away. Uh, we're going to get ready to look at verse 5 in just a second. When Jesus fed 5,000 people, he told the people to sit down and they would parse out the food and they would feed them with a few loaves and a few fish. And they never said anything like they're going to say here in verse 5. When Jesus raised people from the dead, and no, 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 but, but here's what I want to show you. I want to show you the fact that, that he says to his disciples, if somebody sins against you, rebuke them. You know, uh, then forgive them. And then he said, if he does it seven times, I want you to forgive them. And then verse 5 says, the disciples looked at him and said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, he's about to feed 5,000 people with uh, a sack lunch. And they didn't say, Lord, we got to have more faith to feed 20,000 people with, uh, because that didn't count women and children. They didn't say that. that. I mean, he, he's praying for people that's, you know, in bad shape, and he's praying for people that's dead. And, he's, and they never said increase our faith. But when he said, well, if your brother offends you as much as seven times in a day, and he turns to you and asks you to forgive him, I want you to rebuke him for his wrong, but then I want you to forgive him. And they said, Lord, you got to give me more faith for that. I ain't got no problem about you raising somebody from the dead. And I ain't got no problem about feeding 20,000 people. And I don't have no problem of, you know, uh, casting out demons. And I don't have a problem with that. But if you want me to forgive an offense, you're going to have to give me some more faith. <laughs> and I know we're living it now. He's being real with us. So, listen, um, here's what you got to do. You've got to deal with the offense. you got to look the offense in the eye. I'll tell you something. People are wonderful at doing this. They hold up the rug, and they sweep it under the rug. And if that ain't big enough, they get a bigger rug. And they sweep it under the rug. And Jesus says, look the offense in the eye. If your brother has sinned against you, Talk to him about it. You don't have to scream at him. Listen, I can say whatever I need to say in a good tone of voice. I'm not saying I've always done it in a good tone of voice. I'm not saying that I ain't never been rattled. I'm not saying that I'm better than you. I'm simply saying we have to address the issue. That's one thing I've made abundantly clear with our staff. 
that old Barney Fife on the Andy Griffith show used to say, nip it in the bud. That meant when it just gets started, go ahead and deal with it right now. I, I, I talk about this, and I'm going to have to say this real quick to move on. I got a saying that's called, eat the frog. And I know you ain't going to like that because, I mean, I eat frog legs, but uh, I ain't talking about, I'm talking about eating the whole frog. Now, I'm not going to physically do it unless I'm real hungry. But anyway, let me say this. If you got an old bullfrog sitting on your bookshelf and he's sitting there, ribbit, ribbit, big old bulgy eyes, ribbit, you know, he's doing his thing. And you know, before you leave the office at five o'clock, you got to eat that bullfrog. At some time today, you got to do that. Let me say this. Go ahead. When you get to the office, right after you've said your morning prayer, go ahead and grab him and down the hatch. Chew him on up and get him going. Don't sit there and look at his bulging eyes and listening to his croaking all day long. In other words, if it's a bad phone call you got to make, if somebody's offended you and you're putting off going to see them, you swept it under the rug. No, no, eat the frog. Go ahead and call them. Make the appointment. Tell them you'll meet them for lunch. Whatever it is, if it's writing that paper and you've been dreading doing it, if it's studying for that test, eat the frog first. Uh, that was free. I got to go. He says, uh, you got to deal with the sin. Here, I'm going to tell you how to deal with this now. This ain't going to be popular, but it's going to be true, so you're going to have to deal with it or talk to Jesus about it because it's written in red. So Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, if your brother or sister sins against you, Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Now, I won't mind you, he did not say type it all out on social media so the whole world can see this garbage. He said, but if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Period. And if he hears you, you have gained a brother. But if he'll not hear you, then take one or two more that the, in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word might be established. Hold that for a second. The deal is this. You don't go tell another person until you've gone to him or her individually first and see if you can fix it between you and him. Don't go badmouth them to half the world or your small group or the church or anybody else until you've given them the benefit, the same benefit you would want if you were misunderstood. Woo! Getting a little quiet. I feel the temperature rising. Hello? The same benefit that you would want. So go to Him. Talk to Him. And then if it don't work out, then find you some stable person, not some heretic, not some fool that's half drunk all night and then go, you know, they think you want to fight anyway. Uh, take somebody with good standing, good reputation. Take one or two people with you and reason with him. And maybe they could possibly help you reason this thing out. Say, come on, brother. You know what you've done was not right. You shouldn't have done that. And these people who are possibly friends of both of you can help. He said, but then after that, verse 17, if he refuses to hear them, then take it to the church. That's the leadership of the church. It don't mean post it on the church's Facebook page 
or anything because we'll delete it quickly, I promise you. But that means call the office, set up an appointment with Pastor Ken or Pastor Josh or Pastor Adam. <laughs> no, or myself. And but if, 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 if they won't work with you and they won't work with a couple of brothers or sisters, then go to the church and then let it be. To, and then if they won't hear the church, in other words, listen, I want to show you the authority of the church. Some of you just partnered with us. I want to show you the power of partnership and what the church really supposed to be. Once the church has made a decision, that's how it was in the old days now. Once the church has made a decision, in this case, it might be me or the staff or a, a, a group of us. That settled the matter, period. Because you have taken it to people who you have said are over you in the Lord and willing to be subject to them. Are you hearing me say amen? Much like in the world, when you go on the people's court, when Judge Judy gets through talking, that settles it. Whether you agreed with it or not. Because guess what? 50% of the people there that day don't agree with it. But she had to make a decision. And he says, the bottom line is take yourself and go to them. If that don't work, take somebody else and go to them. If that don't work, then bring the matter to the church. And once the church has spoken, the matter is settled. I, I, I feel the quietness. I, I can hear the silence. I know how. And you say, wait a minute, Pastor. I'm just telling you what the Word said in red. Offenses are coming. So you got to look it in the eye. Now, why do you want to do this? Why, why do I have to? I'd rather just, you know, go on about life than have to talk to this brother. Do that if you want to, but it's going to fester. It's going to get infected. I mean, you get something up underneath your skin, and that skin might close back over, but guess what? It's going to get red. The red's going to start moving up your arm. You're going to get sore. It's going to get tender and touchy. Some of y'all real tender and touchy. Y'all with me say amen? And then guess what? You're going to go to the doctor and he's going to say, we're going to have to lance that thing. we got to open that back up. There's got some infection down in there now. It's, in, you know, almost to your bone. It's going to get in your blood. And if you don't get rid of it, it's going to kill you. Same way with a fence. You can sweep it under the rug. You can hide it. You can say, well, I don't want to mess up, you know, our relationship. Your relationship's already messed up. You're hiding behind something and putting on faces that you don't mean to impress people that you no longer like. <laughs> so why do I need to do this? Because of the grave and sure danger that you of an unresolved offense. Because unresolved offense is going to fester. It is going to grow. And the Bible says that it will separate very friends. People that you love the most. Why? Because the other people can't hurt you anyway. The people that flipped Adam off, he don't even know his name. I don't even remember the color of the motorcycle and don't care. I might see him again today at lunch. I wouldn't even recognize him. But you know what? You and I could say it like this. You know, I used to be pretty good until that brother I went to church with for five years didn't pay me. Or I used to be pretty good until that sister who said she had my back left a knife in it. I used to be okay when we ran together. And I, I thought I knew him better than that. I thought I knew her better than that. And then thing, little silly things like birthday parties and showers and this and that and the other. And man, it has the potential to get us derailed. And we start thinking about 
silly things that don't matter. And guess what? We've lost a friend. Here's the fruit. Did you know offended people produce a lot of fruit? But here's the fruit of an offended person. Hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, envy. Some of the consequences of picking up an, uh, uh, an offense are, here's some of the consequences. It's the insults. It's the attack. You know, you've seen that uh, stank look. Huh? They give you the stank eye, what do they call it? Yeah. Hey, some of y'all done it, hadn't you? Yep, I can tell. So, uh, so, and then, you know, you act like you didn't see them. And so everybody starts jumping in, playing the charade, playing the game. That's why Jesus said, cut the chase. If they've hurt your feelings, go to them alone and talk to them about it. It's as simple as this, saying, you know what? I was, I was hurt by the way you said this or the way you've done it. Maybe I took it the wrong way. At least give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if you meant it that way, but it felt that way to me. And we've been friends too long to let the devil do this to us. We've gone through too much. To look at each other as an adversary now. Listen, uh, the bondage of offense. I want to tell you something. Here's the baggage that offense carries. When you sweep it under the rug, you're carrying all of that. You know what the Bible said? Lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset you. I want to tell you something. Offense, I, I, I believe to stay offended is a sin. But at the very least, even if you don't buy that, it's definitely a weight that's weighing you down. And the unresolved offense, the bondage that it brings, you can never truly be free while you hold on to it. you got two options. You can get bitter or you can get better. If you choose to get bitter, uh, guess what? It's going to affect your entire life. I want to show you a story. <clears throat> very, very powerful story, true story. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who was perfect in every way, even He offended somebody. Could you imagine that? Oh, no, no, no. You're saying, well, I know he offended the scribes and Pharisees and he whipped them with a lash and he done all this. No, no. He offended his cousin, John the Baptist. He offended him. I'm talking about, listen, we're talking about the one who had announced the coming of the Messiah. The one that stood in the Jordan River and saw him coming one day. He had been prophesying about him and said, There is one coming after me, preferred before me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I need baptized with water, but when he comes, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And look there, behold, the Lamb of God, that is him that takes away the sin of the world. And John has heralded the coming of the Messiah. He was the forerunner. He's the one that preached that he is coming. In fact, John even said this. John said, he must increase and I must decrease. Are you hearing me? So why is it then? When John, you see, John was the only one who really knew the plan of God at that time about Jesus being the Messiah, the sacrificial lamb. It had not yet been revealed to the other disciples. So, so, so why is it then on the last week of John's life, why did he send two of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? Or should we look for another? Let me, let me share this with you. Put yourself in his place. 
You have been the man. You've been on the cutting edge of ministry of what God's doing. Multitudes upon multitudes of people have received ministry from you and God has touched them and you have been the most talked about ministry on earth at this time in the nation. You've lived a life of self-denial. You have uh, not, you, you, you've lived in the desert eating locusts and wild honey and, and you've lived on hard times and uh, all of this and you fought the Pharisees and you've been accused of being demon-possessed and your whole life has been spent preparing the way for Jesus to come. Now you're in prison. You've been locked up for quite some time. Very few people are coming to visit you anymore because of the attention that you prepared, uh, that, because of the attention of the people you prepared are now turning their attention to Jesus of Nazareth. No longer are they talking about you, but they're talking about Him. Even your own disciples have joined up with His ministry. When they come to see you, they bring you stories about this man and His ministry and His disciples and how their lives are so different than yours. In fact, they even eat with sinners and publicans and tax collectors, something John would have never done. And then you say to yourself, but I saw the Spirit of God descend on him in the form of a dove. And I heard God from heaven say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I don't get it. I'm wasting away in a prison now. Everybody else gone after him. Some of you are saying, why didn't Jesus go see him? The response of Jesus is prophetic in Luke 7 and 21. He actually quotes Isaiah. And by quoting this, Isaiah's message would be very familiar to John. The passages in Isaiah apply to John's disciples as he has observed while they waited on this question of Jesus. They bore witness of him as a Messiah, but he does not end it here. He adds... And blessed is he who is not offended of me. Jesus sends back and he talks about Isaiah's words. John would recognize Isaiah's words. But then he adds this and says, blessed is he who's not offended of me. See, John had worked all his life to introduce him to the, to the people. And now he's done it. And now he, he's doing it. He's actually fulfilling his own prophecy. I must decrease and he must increase. Well, that's what he's doing. He's in prison. And all of the people now are swooning after Jesus. It's, you see, both of them is going to be killed. Let me tie this up and then we're going to pray. He was saying, John, I know that you don't understand what's happening to you right now. And in many of my ways. But do not be offended with me because I do not operate as you've expected me to operate. He was urging John not to judge by his own understanding of God's ways in the past and in his own life and ministry. John didn't know the whole picture of the plan of God just as you and I don't understand the entire picture today. Are you hearing me? We don't understand it all. But God does. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. <clears throat> and I want you to know Offensive offenses have come. And if they haven't, they're on the way. I don't want it to catch you unaware. But when it happens, or maybe it's already happened, right now, I need you. Here's what you got to do. Here's the action step is to do something about it. To look the offense in the eye 
and recognize it for what it is. It is the trap of the devil. It is the bait of Satan. Indeed it is. So look at now and say, oh devil, you think you had me. But I'm going to call you fill in the blank today. I'm going to go see him. I'm not going to go as the head honcho or chief potentate. But I'm going to go and say, listen, I refuse to let the devil ensnare me, entrap me, cause me to bear the fruit of bitterness and hatred and anger and all of that. I'm not going to do that. If you choose to stay angry and you choose to stay mad, let me say this. All you can do is offer forgiveness. It is not on you whether or not they accept it. I've been on both sides of this. I've offended people and I was absolutely wrong and had to go to them and say, please forgive me. It's hard to do, but you got to do it. And then there's times where I supposedly offended people, went to them and said I was sorry. They didn't believe I was sorry. I didn't even think I needed to say I'm sorry, to be honest with you. But it really ain't about me. It's about, sometimes I've said I'm sorry for things I didn't even think I needed to say I'm sorry for. But hey, the bigger thing is this is about the kingdom of God. So I said, Lord, I'm willing. Jesus hadn't done nothing wrong. But he said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. I'm going to pray right now. Would you bow with me? Listen to me. Here's, here's the step I want you to take. As I'm praying, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. Whoever it is that you've offended or that has been offended. You know what the Bible says? If you bring your gift to the altar and you remember you have all against your brother, leave your gift at the altar, go back and make things right with your brother, and then come back and offer your gift unto God. What I believe the writer's saying is don't be playing church. Don't act like everything's okay when you're harboring envy and strife and bitterness and hatred. I don't know what that person done, but offer them forgiveness. I don't know what you've done, but say I'm sorry. And let's be brothers and sisters. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you right now, Lord, for everyone that is here under the sound of my voice that has been offended or they have offended, some knowingly and some unknowingly. I'm asking you, God, right now for the action that they would deal with it right now. Lord, that they would deal with it, that they would say, Lord, I'm going to look it in the eye. I'm going to do what the Lord said do. I'm not going to be overcome by this in the name of Jesus. While heads are still bowed and eyes are closed, if you're praying that prayer,